back-to-back beams for the Kings as they beat Utah 121-113, getting revenge for the game a week ago that they lost in Utah. The Kings inch closer to clinching a playoff spot. I don't totally understand um, how they are going to clinch a playoff spot in terms of like why we needed the Suns and Clippers to lose. And then the, the Suns didn't lose, which is why we didn't clinch a playoff spot. But our magic number is one. And I just don't get that because you have to get top six to get the playoffs, right? But the Suns and Clippers are four and five. So why do they matter? Shouldn't we be worried about who's in seventh place? That's what I don't get. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't get that. Because we are eight games up on the Timberwolves for seventh, the Lakers, and the Pelicans. And I know we have the tiebreaker against the Timberwolves and Lakers. So I don't know why we haven't clinched yet, to be honest. But I guess I guess we haven't. The Kings were without De'Aaron Fox in this game. And it felt like a game where Davion Mitchell could step up. And I thought that because of how well he played last game when De'Aaron Fox went out. Even though he didn't score a lot last game, he just ran the offense well. And I thought he was he did a similar uh, thing here and was pretty solid in this game. Again, the Kings didn't have a great first half like we've been seeing recently. But it was that third quarter run where they really turned it on. They started the game off well. Sabonis was attacking. They were taking a lot of threes and not making them at a great percentage. Not horrible, but not great. It was around 33% most of the time. I think they took something like 16 threes in the first quarter. And that kind of pissed me off because at one point they were up, I believe it was 30 to 19 and right at that spot is where they just kind of started chucking threes. They just, they got that double digit separation and then they went for the knockout blow. And it just wasn't working. Davion pulled up for a, a three. Monk pulled up for a three. Mezzi shot a three, which shouldn't happen. And that was pretty early in the shot clock. Uh, and I think someone else did it as well. And it let the Jazz get back into the game. Kind of took the offense out of its flow by just chucking threes in transition. And um, the defense wasn't bad in the first quarter. But we let them back into the game. And then in the second quarter, our offense just looked totally out of whack. Sabonis wasn't in the game. And then obviously with no Fox, that's when it can get a little rough. And the Jazz were in a zone. And that zone was... Well, it was the right move by the Jazz because we were shooting bad three three point shots and they went to zone and were kind of forcing that. And so that was good for them. The only guy that was making them at a good rate early was Keegan Murray, who had how many points did he? He had fourteen in the first quarter. So a really good start from him, just knocking down the three ball, also getting to the rim on a cut once. And I thought he had a solid defensive game as well, so a solid all-around game from Keegan Murray, who had 37 minutes, which is not something you normally see from him, but he was closing out the game and ended with 22 points, 6 for 12 from 3, 
So I believe he's three away from tying the rookie record for threes now. So it was him and then Sabonis being aggressive that got us out to that fast start. But then we were down six pretty quickly in that second quarter, I feel like. I feel like it turned around pretty quickly. Um, or maybe we weren't down six yet, but but it turned around pretty quickly in that second quarter where the, the offense went totally cold. And then for the Jazz, it was a lot of Walker-Kessler. Uh, Abaji had another good game. Olenek had a solid game offensively, and those were the main guys offensively for the Jazz. But Walker-Kessler was dominating us. Um, he had four offensive rebounds. A career-high 31 points for him and 11 rebounds. And we just couldn't keep him off the glass. Couldn't keep him. We couldn't keep the Jazz out of the paint. It was as simple as that. And it felt like pretty much the exact same recipe as the game we played against the Jazz a week ago, where we couldn't keep the Jazz out of the paint, and we were just kind of chucking up three-point shots. And I guess the common denominator for both of those games is they're both at points where the team was probably tired. I guess that's the excuse there, but I feel like after you see what happened in the last game against Utah, like you got to make an adjustment. You can't, you can't take that many threes. And obviously, you want to protect the paint, but it's not as simple as just protect the paint better because then you're just going to give up three pointers. But offensively, you just got to attack more and can't take these like early three point shots. Also, watching Kelly Olynyk just he re, he reminds me of Josh Giddy. I I there's this video going around of this guy talking about Josh Giddy about how he just he just dribbles around with his left hand and somehow gets to the rim and just scores without making any moves, and how like he must make people so mad because he's just out there dribbling kind of slowly and then scoring. And that's how I feel about Kelly Olynyk. Like, he doesn't really make any moves, but he just dribbles to the hoop. And so many times, he was scoring or making a pass out of that. He had 10 assists in this game with 17 points. And a lot of it had to do with the Kings switching a smaller guy onto him, whether it be Herder or even if it was Barnes on him or Monk. Uh, you know, especially Herder and Monk, smaller guys he would just be able to bully them out of the way and then either get an easy uh, flip up to the rim for a, a score or we would have to double and, you know, come to help and then he would find a pass. So the the size of Olenek and Kessler was definitely bothering the Kings in the paint and then Abaji was making shots. But it definitely, the first half was not as bad as the the first half or the first quarter of the last time we played the Jazz, and we actually had the lead after the first quarter in this one instead of being down by, like, 20. So then it was just the third quarter again where they, it, looked, it seemed like the team came out with so much more energy, again sparked by Kevin Herter. Like, again, we're seeing this guy just be able to play make, create his own shot. Like, it really seems like if he was on a bad team like a team that was maybe tanking, like he could be the number one guy that's scoring like 20 plus a game. He took 21 shots in this game, which was kind of the thing that stood out to me. He was being very aggressive and then had 27 points, four assists, 
three steals on the defensive end. Again, contributing rebounding, seven rebounds. So just two really good games from Kevin Herter uh, since coming back from that injury. And it, we needed him to be the main facilitator because Davion Mitchell, I thought he, had, I, like I said, I thought he had a solid game running the offense, but he can't be the primary ball handler by himself. And so that's where in that starting lineup, Kevin Herter comes in and he was just doing a really good job of that in the third quarter. Obviously Sabonis creating things as well, finding cutters, fighting, finding Keegan and, uh, and Herter on the cuts. And then Barnes was good as well. Another solid game from him, just chipping in 18 points. It was a pretty well-rounded offensive game for the Kings. And then Davion, he he was not hitting from deep. He, he went 0 for 6, which was rough. But he didn't miss a two-point shot. He went 5 for 5 on twos. And uh, got an and one in transition, so he's one for one from the line and ended with 11 points, six assists. And there were a few times where he was making a move and then finishing at the rim, and it was like, okay, like I want to see more of that. That was a nice move. And so many times we've seen him make those type of types of moves and then just kind of pick up his dribble and then pivot and look to pass out to the perimeter. But this time he was actually going up at the rim and it was working even against a guy like Walker Kessler. He was finishing over him, which was extremely impressive to me. The bench was okay. Uh, I'll, I'll start at the, the center position off the bench because that's where it kind of got interesting. I mentioned earlier that Metu took a bad three and that was pretty much it for him. To his credit, he got four rebounds in three minutes but Rashawn Holmes started the second quarter. And I think part of it was because of Metu's bad decision-making. Part of it, I think, was because of Walker Kessler dominating on both ends. Like, And and Rashawn is a little bigger than Mezzi, and he also has the push shot, which I think may have been a big reason why he played because when you have a guy like Walker Kessler in there, just standing right in the middle of the paint, just waiting for guys to come try to finish over you. If you can get a little floater that that's the perfect shot. Cause Walker Kessler will give you that shot. And Rashawn had his opportunities and just didn't hit him. He went zero for three. And then I don't even think Metu or Holmes played in the second half. I think it was Trey Lyles at the the backup five spot. So neither of them impressing. And it's just, it's kind of sad, our backup five spot, because you you looked at the, the five spot coming into this season. You're like, okay, we got Sabonis, great. Rashawn Holmes is going to be one of the best backup centers. We got Alex Len. We got Kada. You know, and then obviously it became, oh, it's Metu actually, because everyone else disappointed. And then he's disappointed. So it's like, oh, no, it's Trey Lyles. Like, we have like five centers and none of them are good. Or, or four of them aren't good. So we have no backup centers that are good. That's it's a, it's a really rough spot. And that's kind of why I want Jared Vanderbilt, to be honest, because 
I wanted him at the trade deadline. You could throw him out. He could guard a five. I don't know. It, it's just we need that's something that obviously needs to be addressed in the offseason because that's really rough right now. Trey Lyles was solid in this game. Two for five from three, two for five from the floor, and then attacked, got free throws, did his thing. I thought Kessler Edwards was solid defensively, was making the correct decisions offensively. And uh, and then Malik Monk getting ejected after only playing 10 minutes. He was knocking down shots, uh, but like I said, he did chuck one bad three. He was part of that. But other than that, I thought he was solid offensively. Not the best Malik Monk game, not the worst. And then he got ejected after clearly getting fouled by Kelly Olenek on that dunk. And then he didn't even try to get back up back on defense. And I feel like um, if the play is still going and you just totally ignore it and go right up to the ref, you're getting ejected every time. You know, there's people saying it's a soft tech, but I think when you just totally ignore the play and go straight up to the ref and then when the ref runs away from you to go follow the play, you keep going at him like you're obviously going to be ejected. What was funny to me was in the background, you could just see De'Aaron Fox laughing at him. That, that was pretty funny. But I was slightly worried at the time that he got ejected because without De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk is pretty important as a ball handler. Uh, but it wasn't he wasn't necessary. Uh, Del Vidova was... <laughs> actually solid in this game which uh I don't know is I I was coming into this game like we're gonna play Delhi aren't we I don't think we should and then he comes out and he has a solid game I didn't think we should play him because he's just not looked good his three-point shot hasn't been there he's not a good ball handler he's fine defensively but there I, I just thought there were better options but then he came in and played a really good defensive game. And he knocked down a three, was actually okay offensively, and he won defensive player of the game. So what do I know? He actually played 19 minutes in this game. Della Vadova playing 19 minutes in a in a win for a three seed in the West in the year 2023. Who would have thought? We're just in a weird timeline right now. The Jazz stuck around in the second half and were sticking around in the fourth quarter, but it never, I don't think it ever got within uh, less than six points. So it was never really worrying. I feel like six points is kind of the, the spot for me, at least as a fan, where I'm watching. And if it goes below six points, then it's time to get worried. But if it's at six or if it goes up from there, then I'm not too worried about it. This Jazz team showed a lot of fight um, and because they are a team that had a chance at the play-in, still has a chance, but doesn't have like all of their best players. They are missing so many of their key players. I get, I, I, it's kind of confusing to me what they're doing. Like, there's no way all those guys are truly injured, right? So they're just trying to tank. That That's what it seems like, which I don't totally agree with. I say, if you have a chance to 
make the plane and get your guys playing or playoff experience, then you do it. Like the Thunder right now, sure, they could tank this year and and shut everyone down and try to get another good pick, but and I understand the Thunder are in a better position than the Jazz, but I just feel like you get your guys' experience if you can. So I don't really understand why they're sitting everyone when they're still so close to the playing spot. But even the guys they are playing are pretty impressive. I mean, Walker Kessler just continues to be a beast. Abaji has looked good. And then there are other guys like Chris Dunn. Why does that guy look good? <laughs> That's just... Uh, it's so funny to me. And then they just had they sign a guy to a 10-day, Brantley, and he goes off in this game. So it it's impressive fight from the Jazz without their best player, their second best player probably, and a few other guys. So props to them. For the Kings, it was just a solid win on a back-to-back against a team you should beat, especially after you just lost to them. Even without Fox, uh, and I do wonder... What's going to happen with Fox? Because it seems like he could have played, but uh, Mike Brown had held him out for precautionary reasons. So I wonder if they hold him out another game uh, or if he maybe wants to play in the game when we clinch a playoff spot, which is possibly what the next game is going to be. And we'll jump into that game. It's against the Timberwolves. I think it's possible that we have already clinched before this game happens uh so we might not get a chance to to clinch on our own but if that doesn't happen then if we would win this game we would clinch a playoff spot so it'd be pretty cool if that happened and and it didn't happen uh tomorrow on uh on sunday because this game is at home and normally i would say you just sit De'Aaron Fox because it's a hamstring issue. You don't want that to be a problem going forward. But if it is going to be a clinching game, then he might want to play in that. And I understand that. But I I mean, the most important thing is that he gets healthy for the playoffs. Carl Anthony Towns is back in the lineup. I don't know if he'll play in this game because he is doubtful. Anthony Edwards is also doubtful, but the Timberwolves can't afford to sit, guys. They are right in the thick of the plan race. They could fall out of the plan. They are 37-37 and 37 right now in a tie for the seventh seed with two other teams. So they need to win this game. So, I, I mean, obviously, I have no idea if those guys are going to play. But uh, assuming they play, I guess, I don't, I don't know. Assuming they play, we did just play them not too long ago, a few weeks ago, at home, and lost to them because of some pretty bad defense, allowing them to get to the paint. Uh, No, actually, it was allowing them to get to the paint and then pass to the corners way too easily off the pick and roll, and they just knocked down a billion threes on us. And so... I mean, that it was pretty much the same thing as how we started the last few games. And so I just want to see the Kings come out and actually be awake defensively and be way more active and play as if they're already in the third quarter, they're already in the second half, and not allow those skip passes to the corner every single time off pick and rolls. And all that 
all that that is, is being active with your hands, having high hands, not allowing to get them that pass off, and then just being ready on the rotations, pretty much just being ready to play, which we haven't seen in the last few games for the Kings in the first halves. So it would be nice to see a better first half. It's still possible for the Kings to get the two seed. They're only two back in the loss column of the Grizzlies. They're one and a half games back total. But the Grizzlies don't have the toughest schedule coming up. Uh, they play the Hawks, the Magic. They, they do play the Clippers a, a couple times in the Bucks, but the schedule's not too tough for them. I'd say it's pretty similar to ours. And they did just get John Morant back. They've won five in a row. They've won... I think, eight of their last nine. So they're rolling. But it would be nice to get that two seed to be able to play one of the play-in teams because playing a play-in team is way better than playing like the Warriors. I mean, I guess the play-in team that we play could be the Lakers, and if they're fully healthy, that's obviously scary. But I feel like you take your chances with whoever comes out of the play-in rather than the, the Warriors or the Clippers. Anyways, that is it for this episode of The Real Report. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. If you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, make sure to leave a rating and a review. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore The Real Report, and I will see you guys next time to recap that game against the Timberwolves. Peace.